Hi, Sadna, how are you? Hi, Leanne, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really, really well. I'm excited to sit down and have a chat with you. So welcome to the latest edition of Courageous Conversations. Now, you are a CEO with Harcourts. What's your official title? <laughs> I've got a crazy long one. I am CEO for Harcourts International Property Management. So okay. CEO for property management is probably the best way to put it. Because I, I look after um, a couple of countries, so Australia, New Zealand, so hence the the slightly international title. Yeah, nice. Okay, that makes it, you know, it's always nice to spread your wings and understand what's going on in other parts of the world. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, New Zealand real estate is, is really different, um, just different different market. Um, the, you know, um, the ecosystems are different, the products are different, the people are different, how they do business is different. Most of their landlords are private landlords, whereas here it's the opposite. So there's some good challenges to get your head around, and, and particularly during COVID. Sorry, I was just said. about to say that. Yeah, you must have been. I mean, it was hard enough for me to stay across what was going on in New South Wales for, for the, our property managers. It must have been a nightmare for you across all of those different jurisdictions. It was nuts. I actually ended up having a spreadsheet that I put together because there was one afternoon I remember sitting there thinking, oh, my God, is that Tasmania or is that South Australia? Is that, oh, I, I don't know. I'm so confused. And so I had this on my wall so when people rang me up and asked me I could go oh New South Wales right that's it there <laughs> yeah that's absolutely yeah that it's been absolutely crazy so I'd like to go back a little bit if we can obviously the podcast is around courageous conversations and they're conversations that we have sometimes with ourselves and certainly with other people because you have to you know, sometimes you've got to make really hard calls to actually progress in your career, whether or, or in your personal life. So let's go back a little bit. Where did you start your real estate journey? Oh, my God, that's going to make a long way. I actually started as a receptionist. All the good people did, love. All the good people I, did. Yeah, I know, right? And I was terrible at that job. And I think they hired me because they felt sorry for me. Um, <laughs> and I still remember it was one of those plug-in phone systems. That's how long we go. Oh, my goodness. Now you yeah. are ageing yourself. A yeah, Sylvester, yeah, I know. It used to be called a Sylvester. I don't know. I only was there for two weeks and they moved yeah. me on because I was so bad at it. Uh, but that was in real estate. Yeah, that was in real estate. I've sort of been in real estate since I was, what, 20 years old, yeah. um, 34 years now. That's ageing me. Um, yeah. I left the industry for a bit and you know, I kind of did some stints. So I worked for console for a while okay. and I did, did my own thing. When the kids were born, I did party plan. Can you believe it? I actually had a, a clothing label, consultants around Australia selling the labels, and then I came back into real estate. And I know you're based in Melbourne, right? Yes. Yeah, I am. And I know you spent a bit of time working at a business in, in Sydney. I did. I spent a little bit. I spent about 18 months in Sydney in total, way back in 2010, nine, 2009 and 2010, yeah. So that must have been a really tough call to leave the family. How old are your kids? Well, then our, uh, at the time, they were 11 and uh, 15 at the time. Whenever I share my story, I say to people, sometimes you have to get at your lowest to become your most resilient. And, you know, for me, it was going through a divorce. Yeah. So, and it was one of those divorces that nobody saw coming. Um, Including so, you? Well, no, I knew about it. Okay. I kind of knew, knew I had to make because I was the one doing the leaving. Right. Um, it was one of those ones you kind of know you have to make the decision, but you don't have the courage to do it until one day you kind of go, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Your partner didn't see it coming. Your family didn't see it coming. Your kids didn't see it coming. Wow. <laughs> 
So, you know, I did the grown-up thing. I ran away to Sydney because, you know, that <laughs> I didn't want to say to I'm out of here. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, though. And so how was it working um, in Sydney with the family and all? You've, you've left the chaos behind you in Melbourne. Well, I left the chaos behind me in Melbourne, which, you know, I think if you were, if I could change one thing, it would be that. I, yeah. I, would, I would have stayed in Melbourne. I spent a shitload of money, Leanne, travelling backwards, backwards and forwards. Backwards and forwards. I came home every weekend, um, or oh. just about every second weekend, or I flew the kids up to see me during school holidays and stuff. Um, my parents were angry with me, so I couldn't stay with them, so I had to pay for accommodation. And it, I think I worked out over the two years, I dropped about $90,000. Yeah, like, you would. It's just not airfares and accommodation. It was just madness. But I think you do what you do at a point in your life because you think it's the right thing or it's it's your way of just moving forward. You know, I, I look back on that time and I wasn't thinking. I was just, all I needed to do was move forward every day and whatever yeah. that looked like, that's all I needed to do. There was no thought around it. And it wasn't until I had my full-on breakdown that I ended up with two psychologists and health farms that I actually was able to kind of go, well, that was shit, two years, you know, um, pull yourself together or this is not going to end well for you. So you literally had a breakdown and had to confront all of those difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the day when, and I, and I talk about this quite publicly, so I'm not saying anything new, but I, and I always say to people, I came as close to the edge as I ever, ever want to be yeah. in my life again. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table, you know, considering my options. And I, I remember it clearly. And the only thing that pulled me back from making a different choice were my children. And um, and that was because, you know, the, the thought of not being around for them was just just, just crazy. Mm. Um, and that's when I made the choice to go and get help, um, which is what I needed. And, um, and I did that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a different person today. And this is why I say sometimes you have to get at your lowest to become your strongest. Um, and it's also the people you put around you, Leanne. You know, I think one of the things I learned is there's a lot of people like to tell you what to do, mm-hmm. but it's the ones who don't tell you what to do and just sit there with you are the ones that end up being your lifeline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We know what opinions are like, right? Everybody has one. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. I didn't, I actually didn't realise that's quite a powerful story. Yeah. Um, And so you are back in Melbourne now. So part of my, part of my journey was the job in Melbourne for the Victorian CEO came up. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know Mike, and I and I went yeah. and saw Mike, and I said to him, I said, "You've got to give me that job. I'm going to resign." I did the usual because you were the you were the CEO you were the CEO at um in New, New South, South Wales, Wales at the times, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And only been in the job for six months. They yeah. just hired me, <laughs> and like it was like my dream job, you know, power woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of course. I needed to come back home because I needed to be with my kids again. Yeah. The opportunity came up in Melbourne. So I flew to see Mike and said to Mike, give me the job in Melbourne or I'm going to resign. And you know, Mike, Mike uh, he's, he's the type of guy who does the right thing by people and he gets yeah. the value. And, and, and I've always said this, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't even flinch. He just went, really? the right thing to do is to send you back home. I understand wow. why. And I came home and, you know, coming home meant I reconnected with my parents, my kids, my son moved back to live with me, my daughter and I rebuilt my relationships, I reconnected with my friends and, you know, today, kids and I are like this little tripod, Leanne, we're just like three little parts of a tripod yeah. and we're just so solid and so connected that nothing's ever going to pull us apart ever again. Yeah. But we had to go through that journey 
that we all went through together to realise why we are so important to each other. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think that shows some great empathy and great leadership on Mike's behalf to actually after six months because I know that role in New South Wales had had a a little bit of instability back at that time and so he must have been thinking thank god I've got the right person in the job and then six months later you go oh by the way I need to go back to Victoria so that shows a shows you who he is as a leader and a man I think that he let you do that. Yeah absolutely you know and I I think that's one thing we all uh, you know for those of us who work with Mike a lot of us have been here for a long time. We're here because of his leadership. Uh, both, both him and Irene have, have built a great business, have a great culture. Yeah. And a lot of us have been here for a long time. We're here because of, of the hard courts that they yeah. represent. You know? yeah. Mm. yeah, that's really nice. Mm. Now, you do a lot of charity work. Um, so tell me about your work in Fiji. So I started doing the work in Fiji in about 2008 um, when, uh, you know, I met a lady who was dying of cervical cancer and um, I found out her story, which was, you know, she used to go and have a pep smear, but this particular time she didn't have the $2 bus fare to get her results. And as the end story is that she ended up dying. And I came across her in one of the not-for-profit work that I was doing with another foundation. And during my conversation with her, I realised that a lot of women don't get pep smears done. You know, we get reminders every two years. They chase us up. In Fiji, you don't get chased up. And um, cervical cancer is one of the highest killers in Fiji of women. Right. And breast cancer is next. I made the commitment to look after her children. So I took on the care of her seven kids because her husband had died before as well. So I have actually have nine children. They are all grown up now. I've got one left at uni to go. So I, I how, do you, on... how do you look after seven children in a different country? Oh, it's really easy. You um, put in place carers around them. You go and see them three, four times a year. You have Christmases with them. You talk to them every weekend and you make sure they stay on the right path and you yell at them when they do something really bad. <laughs> Trust me, okay. I can make my sound scary from, from Australia to Fiji on the phone. <laughs> I'll bet you can. Wow, that's a remarkable, uh, that's a remarkable commitment. Um, well, yeah, I, I think oh, I didn't, I, that just became part of my family, you know. And so we started the foundation because we wanted to go into rural areas of Fiji to do the pep smear test so that um, more women had the opportunity to survive any potential issues. We, are, we were in the process of finishing off an MOU with um, some other local charities in Fiji and the Fiji government when COVID-19 hits. We'll just pick it up when when all this is over. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we can start doing it at a much bigger, bigger or broader scale. Um, and and what, what that looks like moving forward, you know, I think at some point we'll have adequate testing and, and all that you know, will we'll hopefully balance itself out and we'll then focus on something else, whether that's education or maybe something back in Australia. But I think I've always always felt the need to give back and leave the world a better place than I found it. So it may not always be Fiji, but it will always be something that I'm involved in. Mm. And I know you do some work with the um, domestic violence charity. So tell us a little bit about Walk a Mile in Their Shoes. Yeah, so Walk a Mile started um, in 2012, which was our first one we did here in Victoria. And at, the, at that year was the, what had happened in Melbourne was there was a beautiful young woman by the name of Jill Ma who'd been murdered oh, at home, right? Yeah. We all remember Jill Ma. Yeah. And I, I was single at the time and had done exactly what she'd done, which is, I oh, don't know, no, don't worry, I'll walk home. Okay. How many independent women, right, will be fine? Totally. 
And I, I was one of these women who was enraged in Melbourne thinking, no, this is not right. We, we need to feel safe. And so I was walking, uh, sorry, flipping through Facebook and found this walk in Canada that um, men had done, put on high heels. And so I emailed the organisation and we got the rights to use the name Walk a Mile in Their Shoes here in Australia. I went to my board and I said, you know, I've got this idea. And they said, oh, you've all got mad. You've got mad. If you can get a whole bunch of men to walk, Sadna, it's all yours. Try your hardest, sunshine. Yeah, try yeah. your hardest, sunshine. Exactly. <laughs> no one believed I'd be able to pull it off, you know. And so I did. I, I put the presentation, you know, to my franchisees in Victoria only at the time. And the guys were amazing. They were like, yep, nope, you know, we'll do it. And the first walk a mile started. It then became a national walk. South Africa picked it up. And I think, you know, I look back on it now at the time, I just didn't realise it would become what it did become. Yeah. How much our communities would connect with it. But I think more importantly, Leanne, you know, the number of calls I got internally from women saying, thank you, I have been in that situation. And it's just good to see an organisation stand up for something that is so dark yeah. But it is an issue in, in our country. And, look, I, I, I'm not sure whether that walk is going to continue for Harcourts anymore, but I'm constantly calling out for the industry because I'd love to start it up again as, as an industry model. I know people that could help. Well, that would be wonderful because, I mean, you think about our industry. We sell and we sell homes and yeah. a lot of the times we are in houses where people have been impacted by this, yeah, women totally. have been impacted, children have been impacted by this. And I think if an, as an industry, if a lot of us came together with that one connection, that one thing, um, I'd love to see it happen again on a much broader but industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's make that commitment. Right, we're recording. Um, so, let's, <laughs> so let's make that commitment. We'll talk about that because I would love to do. Um, I would love to see that happen. I think it's Good. an amazing. Um, it's an amazing cause, and certainly all things COVID. Unfortunately, there's been some silver linings coming out of COVID, but I think there's going to be a whole lot of people that are very, you know, frantically wanting to get out of their home and their relationships and stuff mm. as a result. So mm. it's going to be a, a, an even bigger problem, unfortunately, in coming months than it's been. Yeah, it will be. And, and I, think, um, I think that and um, mental, uh, you know, mental health issues are sure. the two big things I think, you know, probably once we come out of this needs to be focused on. And there's a lot of women who um, I know at the moment are really struggling because their partners are not leaving home to go to work. That, yeah. that period of time they had where they had the break yeah. or even the ability to escape, they yes. just don't have it anymore. Yeah, and everybody deals with stress differently. And if there's financial stress and the husband, we all know that, you know, men like to be the breadwinners and, and it can really play with them if they're not and they feel like they're letting the family down and they quite often will take it out on the person close to the closest yeah. to them, which is their wife or their yeah. partner. Um, and as you say, if there's no escape, um, it can get it can be really frightening. Very frightening. Hmm. But okay, so we're committed now, Leanne. We we're are. We're doing it. it. We're doing it. We are Love doing it. it. Absolutely. So I'll Love talk it. to you offline about that. So what's okay. next for you? That's a really good question. And you know, I'm one of these people who puts my goals up on my shower wall. And oh, are you laminated and all that? Yes, yes, laminated and all that. And you know, I said goodbye to 2019 doing this, going, I hate you, 2019. And now I'm going, oh my God, that was such a good year. Can I go back yes. to it, please? <laughs> Isn't that 
interesting though. Like when we're in the middle of stuff, we think, oh, this is the worst ever. And yet I always reflect on New Year's Eve. I always reflect on the year that was and am always amazed at what has happened mm. to me and people around me in that 12 months. It's yeah. like, yeah, who yeah. knew that this was who, coming out? Who knew? So I think for me, you know, um, I really want to, like I have my own business. So yep. um, it's part of my I have Huckle's Move, which is my own little business. Um, okay. And for me, it's around, I've always had this passion of making sure that I grow something that people want to belong to, where the client is number one in our business. And so, you know, for, for me, the last three years, it's been developing that that part of, of that part of the business. Yep. So more, more focus on that. I want to get involved in the industry a lot more. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But, you know, people like yourself and Leah, I think, inspire people like myself to go, pull your finger out and do more yeah. because you can't keep doing it for the rest of your life. Leah can't keep doing it no. for the rest of her life and you need people to follow through. So, you know, both you and Leah, particularly during this time, have inspired women like me to go, pull your damn finger out, woman, and start to think yeah. of something like that, you know. So they're probably my two key things. Um, and the, the, the charity stuff in Fiji, I really want to get my Omo you off the ground with the Fiji government and get something there and now Leanne we have walk a mile for the yes yes exactly wow well that sounds like um that sounds like plenty yeah, keep you going. yeah. <laughs> absolutely all right well i'm going to get let you go and get on with your busy day but thank you so much for being part of this it's really um it's been lovely to connect and hear a little bit more about your story thank you so much and thanks for asking me talk to you soon